everybody. Uh, welcome back to another bonus episode. Uh, this is our second, I guess this is our second Q&A bonus episode. They seem to not really have much of a format. Um, but today we are doing a kind of uh, post-mortem slash Q&A uh, about our recently completed uh, Call of Cthulhu storyline. Um, so I'm joined by Eden. Hello. Amy. Hello. And Mark. Greetings, all. Weirdly formal at the end there. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> How's everybody doing today? Good. Pretty yeah, good. All good. good yeah. 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 Raring for some questions and uh, thinking back on playing Cthulhu. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I think what we'll do, we'll start with the one question I've had, uh, which seems to start every Q&A or thing that I do, which is Champions RPG asking how my exercises are going. Um, <laughs> not relevant, really, to the conversation, so I figured we'd get it out of the way. Uh, I haven't been doing a lot. <laughs> it's been too hot. <laughs> I haven't been using my exercise bike. Hot top. Yeah, I know, it's not good. That's just semi-regular update on how fat I'm getting. Okay. It's so, the hottest yeah. summer on record. So yeah, it's, I, that's there the, is that. That's the excuse I'm running with. It's like, I might die, you know. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. At least you're running. Well... Sorry, I, had, I yeah, saw an I saw of. A option. I saw a chance, so I took it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, most of our questions come from uh, at Tayshal, who's uh, been great before uh, sending us in questions um, and didn't disappoint this time. Um, Absolutely. Great support of the podcast, Tayshal. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> I feel like we need to have, like, some kind of, I need, like, a radio DJ soundboard that can set off like air horns and things like that oh sorry if we're doing that then i've got to say steve boost yeah steve boost, yeah no questions off steve boost yeah. this time but steve boost is yeah, we're giving out shout outs i guess we're good. it's tradition <laughs> to give one to steve boost even if he didn't even interact okay <laughs> but uh yeah so we're today we're going to talk all about call of cthulhu story that we did um I think before we jump into the questions properly, though, Charles, did you all enjoy the experience? It's kind of the first time any of us had really played the game, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it was um, pretty enjoyable, actually. It was the first time I've played Call of Cthulhu, mm. and the differences between the way the game plays, like the mechanics in terms of the role-playing side are fairly similar to 5th edition D&D where you create your character, you sort your backstory out, you got your inventory, things like that. Yeah. But then when we actually got into doing the dice rolls and stuff, it was yeah, um, like the, very, very the different. The play mechanics are different, I think. Yeah, the play, yeah. playing, actually doing your rolls, checking for, um, you're doing your sanity checks and rolling for attacks and whether you spot something or not. Very, I don't want to say backwards compared to 5th edition. Reversed. Sort of, yeah, kind of yeah. the reverse way of doing it. So, Lower scores are better than high yeah, scores. Yeah. A bit of getting used to. Basically. It did take a bit of getting used to, but it was it was it was a different type of game to play, and I've not actually yeah. played many different RPGs. And Call of Cthulhu is probably the one that stands out the most as being mm. quite not obscure, but I, I really haven't experienced that kind of um, dice mechanic in anything else that I've tried. Yeah. So I'm I had fun with it. I mean, the story was good, and I think the way the dice went actually works to create good drama in the I story think, I as think well on the dice side mm-hmm. of things i think it was it always felt like you're more likely to fail a check not you specifically i mean just in general people were more likely to fail checks than pass them 
Yeah, it did. It did feel like that. I think that that's one of the ways yeah. it tricks. It sort of tricks you out because you'll you'll initially do a roll and think, "Oh, that's a great score," but then you'll find out that actually that was too high to pass the check, and then you're suddenly going in crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, crazy. Not, not in so. terms of like, "Oh, you're not." Not. I don't mean in terms of like, "Oh, you're you're trying to roll low rather than roll high." I just mean in general, it felt like a lot of the things you could try, unless you'd put a bunch of skill time into that skill, you're not going to do very well. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to like, you know, D&D, mm-hmm. you can roll an actual 20 or whatever. Or if you get high, it there's, seemed a bit more leeway to just be like, oh, yeah, no, whatever. That's okay. That's an all right result. Whereas yeah. this, it's, it's spelled out with the numbers and the percentages of like, no, if you don't, you haven't got any skill points to this. If you don't get below a 10 on a percentage, you're not doing it sort of thing. Yeah, very true. So it's it's, it's, it's a, bit, a bit stricter in that kind of terms. Yeah, stricter is a pretty good word for it, yeah. 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 Did you? I quite like that restriction, though. It, it helped me focus in on what my character was good at and what he absolutely would not even try his hand at. Yeah. No bad So in that way, it was... It, <laughs> Yeah, it was good to have a kind of like a, a small amount of like track in front of me, as it were. So where, as we walked into scenarios that you were presenting, it was like, okay, I, I kind of know what Barnard's going to be capable of here. Mm. Mostly it was being surly and angry and waiting for the moment when he can hit something, if he can <laughs> hit something. <laughs> yeah, it was a different experience. I'd never, I mean, I don't generally play 5th edition anyway. I play an awful lot of homebrew games. Mm. So it's usually homebrew rules that I, I play. So... For me, it's I'm. I mean, I'm. I, I've played fifth edition a few times now, but I'm like with Mark, where it was the the almost the flip side of fifth edition rules, where everything was like, oh, I've rolled really high. Wait, <laughs> that means I that, failed. Yeah. <laughs> that heart sinking moment is you see ninety eight, and it's like, oh, oh, that means I did really bad. Oh, this yeah. is this is one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I Especially got... in the last episode was so much fun. Oh god! I mean, yeah. How many ninety sevens <laughs> or ninety fives or something was it you were getting, Eden? It was an absurd amount. Yeah. Every every time Barnard had to check sanity, it was like, "Sorry, Barnard, you're on the slide." Like it's, well, it was, it's it going was down. slowly getting worse for you every time as well, wasn't it? So the thing yeah. is, in this game, once you hit that slide, you you're not likely to be you able know, to pull no yourself back. back. No, it gets, yeah. yeah, it exactly gets trickier. The further down that slide yeah. you go, I mean that that didn't derail my plans for the ending though, because I thought you know going into it, I was like, okay, I know this is going to be the sort of finale. So, did you expect at least one of us to go com- to lose it? I don't know, more? but I was kind of like open to the possibility, if you know what I mean. Like, I I'm, I'm not going to say that I was aiming myself, <laughs> but I, I fully made sure that Barnard had a much lower. I think I was twenty points lower on sanity than either of you two. Yeah. You did something, start a little something bit lower. like something that. Like so that. I was way down, and I, I did have it quietly in mind to be like, I wasn't pushing at any point, because obviously you saw the dice rolls, I couldn't force yeah. that. But yeah. I was quite happy that it built up to that moment where like he fell apart right at the end. And I didn't mm. know at that point that the rule was that he was being taken out of my hands, because otherwise mm. I might have played a little bit safer at that point, just so that I could retain control towards the end. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun as well at that point of being like, Oh, oh dear! I, I have made some <laughs> foolish choices. I mean, and now Barnard's uh, in for a very bad time. I mean, speaking of that, I think that not knowing the rule was a kind of a <laughs> kind of a bit of a rolling theme throughout the recording sessions. Hmm. I mean, I cut out all of it basically, but there was quite a fair amount of us going like, "Hang on, wait! I'm just going to look this rule up," and then there was twenty minutes of fucking around with the rule book. 
And then but, I went. But then that's part of the play. Yeah, that's part of playing a, a mm. game that we that none of us had really played as well. No, you're so learning as you go. We're forward. all learning together as well. Yeah. So I, I think game. it did kind of bite me a little bit in that where we've got quite a um, like our release schedule is quite ongoing. If you know what I mean. And we kind of went into this pretty much, well, from the beginning, I mean, I, I haven't really got any excuse by the time we were a couple of months into it, to be honest, but like, at least for that first session, like, I've, I've, I think we kind of went into it when I was like, right in the middle of like editing a bunch of D&D and stuff. And I, I don't think I was really fully prepared, like on the rule side of things. Like I knew vaguely, you know, how things went, but like, I didn't have a, I haven't bought a, um, like a GM screen. So I didn't have like an easy reference or anything and I, I don't think I fully had time to really sort of look through the rule book to my own sort of satisfaction kind of thing so that it did end up being a lot of stuff that maybe I should have known kind of like as a sort of you know I'm going to be running the game you know I should know these things you had no soak time for the knowledge to yeah get yeah ingrained ready so for like the game. stuff would come up and like I would have to be like uh I don't know you know <laughs> which I, I guess I'm not particularly happy about that really like that's my own fault Really? That's um, probably a good thing we wandered though. around town chatting for the first, like, two hours of yeah. play. <laughs> like, I can <laughs> deal with you guys talking to, to random, like... Sticking our noses in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can deal with, like, you guys talking to randos for, like, you know, till the cows come home. That's fine. We don't, as long as we don't need to do anything, like, mechanics Like we did in the second to last episode. That yeah. massive detour. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, that was, was not, like, random. second to last recording session. Yeah. I thought it was going to be the last recording session. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay, we're going to go the other direction. AJ, you should know this by now. Yeah, the last no, recording session is never the last one. It's always another one. Yeah. I mean, well, to put it in, like, a little bit of, like, similar context, um, at the moment, I mean, this is this is going up... Uh, this will be going up while we're in the middle of the pirate stuff going up. We got three episodes of the pirate adventure that we've just done for D&D 5e. That was meant to be one session. And <laughs> it turned into three sessions. Because that's just the way things go. So I don't know why, like... <laughs> well, time, time is relative, AJ. Yeah, no, 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 it's all good. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of those things where, like, I, I've learned to stop planning, like, mm. set length. Well, mainly based on Cthulhu. It's like... Yeah. Try not to like unless I've got like a rigid sort of story structure in mind going in. Uh, don't make any solid plans for length because you guys will fuck around. Yeah, and oh, as soon happens. as you hand it off to us, yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to go left when you're definitely looking right. Yeah, I mean, in in, in my head, I just I mean, it was a dumb thing on my part to be honest. But we'd kind of gotten into a pattern that before we started doing Cthulhu of like, you know, story arcs are about six episodes, give or take. You know, mm-hmm. and so I was just thinking, oh, you know, Cthulhu, I could, I've got my story in mind, but like vaguely at that point, like I knew what the deal was, but like not fully. But I was like, oh, I'm sure I can, <laughs> in this system I've never used before, <laughs> somehow make a six episode thing. The thing is, depending on the players you've got and the length of time it's going, sometimes things going on longer helps with kind of world building yeah. that place. Oh, yeah. And I, I am pleased with how it turned out. Mm. Like, I think looking back on the story that we ended up doing, I think it would have felt rushed to do it in any less time than we did mm. if that makes sense yeah i mean there's probably still a few bits that could have been trimmed down it turned out 13 episodes we probably at a push could have gotten it down to 10 or 11 um it's about the size of the average american tv show season so yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i mean yeah I'm not- I, I think that, like as players we kind of wandered around aimlessly for the first few sessions to some extent like we, we didn't really have a very concerted plan of like 
I, I was very much playing it as like, we don't really know each other, so why are we working together? Yeah, and I then mean, that, that makes that sense. That slowly kind of came together over the course of events, but the, there was a lot to begin with of like, so you're going to go into the church. A lot of the time I was like, nope, not going to try and involve myself in this because I'm here to visit my friend Jenkins and that's that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just and, met on the train on the way into town. Why would you be going? Yeah. Like, you've got your so own then, reasons for being there sort of thing. I mean, the fact that we were in the same carriage on the train was a good starting point. So it kind of, <clears> it <throat> gave us a reason to interact initially and then wherever yeah. it went from there. I mean, it's entirely possible that the game could have gone in the other direction where we went to different boarding houses well, and met up over the course of I don't the know events if you remember, going on. I don't even remember, but I gave you that option. You did, actually. You and did like, say there's yeah, a couple yeah. of different places you could go, but we all chose to, go to, just the went, oh, we'll go to the same boarding house. the same boarding house. But, like, I actually did have in mind, like, at least three different places. Like, so it would have been... That would have... Well, one, it would have made things a lot harder for me. But at the same time, I think it would have been interesting. This isn't a regret. It's just one of those things that it would have... When it came to you guys meeting up, it would have been a lot more of like you randomly running into each other in town rather than like, I guess we're all at the same place. So, you know, you're having meals together and things like that. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we were kind of gathering the weird ongoings at the same time. So there was, yeah. I, I think that it helped that we were all together in the end because that way everybody's sense of mystery and that there's something amiss in this place was building up at the same rate. Hmm. So we didn't have one character turn up to the others and be like, you won't believe these things. And then the other players are kind of, the invitation is there to go, well, no, I don't believe these things. Yeah. 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 And, then, like, and then you're kind of in the bushes a little bit there. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that if we were in separate places, doubt would have crept in a lot more. Mm. I mean, I, I'd had in mind, well, there, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but there was a boarding house. Off the top of my head now, I think of boarding house that you all kind of went to, which in my head I was kind of like, I was picturing like a sort of, uh, kind of like used to be a house, like like just a house that had been mm -hmm. converted into a kind of like a bed and breakfast with like five or six upstairs rooms or something. So it was like a kind of like, not nasty place, but like it was a bit sort of like, they did the bare minimum to convert it and it's being run by this little old lady sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know. So there's not going to be a lot of like room service or things like that. And it was kind of like, that's below tier one. And you all just went for that, <laughs> which, you know, fair enough. But yeah, I think, I think the only other one I could think I was kind of going to do was like a kind of more upscale hotel was one of the other options. Didn't you say you based one of them on the King's? Arms? Yeah, that was the, that was the hotel one yeah, I was going to do. Really um, not a posh one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Down by the quayside. Well, the riverside. Yeah. I, well, that's a good, that's a good, thank you for that segue. Yeah, I mean the the whole setting was yeah. based basically loosely on the town that we live in. No, Mark and I live in mm. now. Anyway, that I was just like, I'll just make it spooky, <laughs> change a bunch of the names. Yeah, Jesus House. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, that I mean that's a good way of like the the boarding house where I loosely put it is where a family friend lives, and she's called Mrs. Kendall. So I was like, oh, it's Kendall's boarding house, you know, let's just put that, put that in, you know, it's fine. Mm. Um, like the, the Regency theater where the had the play and everything went on. That is the Regent center theater. Mm. And it yeah. is actually a theater that still operates. Yeah. Today. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, all sorts of like, the, I basically didn't change anything about the Priory church <laughs> kind of thing. We, actually, I've got a question for you here. Yeah. The, the, the pub that, um, well, the public house that Alistair and Madame Sway went into after what she saw at the church, mm. 
Was that based on the ship? Yeah, I was leaning oh, towards the ship. the ship, yeah. Right, I wasn't um, sure if it was that or the old George, which they're on the same street, but one's on I'd the corner. For, to be honest, I've forgotten about the George. Sure there's a lot yeah. of pubs, right? Look, we're in England, there's a lot of pubs. There's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've got about six within, like, ten-minute walking distance. People don't like living anyway. around here without being at least slightly tanked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless they're old. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, so, I mean, it, that was kind of the idea of, like, I'm going to make a creepy version of the town, and, like... Um, I'm trying to think where else you guys went that was sort of... I mean, the field behind the the theatre where all that went on is kind of just where my house is. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. I, can't, yeah, I know we... Well, immediately, be, immediately before that, it's... Um, well, I've truncated the geography. Druid Gardens, isn't it? Well, I've truncated... Yeah, I've truncated the geography a little bit in my head to be, like, rather than, like... Big expanse of nothing. Yeah, it to kind of... going down to the river. I was like, I'll make it a bit of a shorter trip down from the back of the theatre to the river rather than, like... Mm. what would be two massive fields although this did used to be fields where my house is so that's kind of yeah it, it was sort of drawing from a little bit of local knowledge in that as well and mm. that and it worked yeah. really well well for, for me it definitely worked quite well because i knew in my head i knew roughly where aj was referencing but being alistair um you know he had knowledge of the era because in the context <laughs> yeah, of the story he was... had been down as a kid but <laughs> think some things had changed you did in kind that of time. lean on that a little bit i did lean on it a little bit and we said i, I try i did try really hard not to kind of meta game my way through the knowledge of the area I because say, i wanted it to be kind of well that's different this is different that house is the same the boarding house yeah but everything else is slightly newer it did seem a couple of times like you were meta gaming your way through i, it. I, I really in, tried not to I especially really in that phenomenon where you were just like you were like, you guys are out in the woods somewhere, and you're like, Alistair, having been to the area before, would know where he's going. And I was like, come on, man. Like, yeah. you know. I was surprised oh. we got away with that. Yeah, to be fair, I'm surprised as well. I, I really tried not to. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Because I know the area, it, it, I just found that a bit difficult. It was. I yeah. love the visual of that moment, in fairness, just the idea of us all panicked running through the woods. Yeah, broken heels and everything. Yeah. Scraggling with... Twig. I'm trying to think what else I kind of pulled from local stuff. Um, oh, I think the doctor's name. There actually was a Dr. Quartley who okay. lived in the area, but like I can't remember the exact story. Mm. The sanatorium um, is Christchurch Hospital. Yeah, I just turned the hospital into the sanatorium. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. And like where Drew it, like Drew it Hall was is just like it's just. The, it's just like a sort of... It's the Hiker's Cafe on it. Yeah, it's like a head. Hiker's Cafe <laughs> near to the headland um, sort of thing. But, yeah. I mean, the bridge was in the same place and things. You'd be, pleased, you'd be pleased to know I was up there last weekend for a coffee with my cousin and there were no strange creatures well, that's, around. Uh, that makes a change. Yeah. It little... <laughs> makes a change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. good um, uh, We apologise to the people of Christchurch if you live there. We're not calling you all freaks. <laughs> just we, some we, of you. Just some of you. <laughs> Uh, the rest of you will be will kind to your face, but we think it behind closed doors. You know who you are. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, by the way, yeah, I tried it and it was a disaster. Thank you very much. Tried what? Sorry, someone in the audience will get it. I think you're grossly overestimating the number of listeners we have. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's have a look at some of these questions. I think um, we'll kind of dip in and out of them. I think, and then as talking points come up, we'll sort of. We'll segue in a cool way that makes us look like we're professionals and know what we're doing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Tayshaw's first question. Did you come up with a name for the scenario yet? Uh, I did, but I kind of kept it secret until after the last episode went up because it would have spoiled everything. Mm. I mm. think I ended up calling it Family Ties, which That's is right, the yeah. same as 
the last yeah. episode. Scenarios are very. That's I wouldn't say that's a very accurate name. Series <laughs> scenario implies that a lot of it was planned. Um, <laughs> Adventure, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah, the, yeah. I, I prefer. That's why I think you know, call it a story arc rather than a module or whatever sort of thing, because we never really know what we're doing, and we're kind of leaning more into the sort of story side of things rather than the like. Okay, here's this dungeon room. Here's this dungeon. You know what I mean? Um, I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, family ties sort of seem to sort of tie everything together because, mm-hmm. if you'll pardon the pun, um, but because um, in my head I was like, okay, you were all going to be kind of drawn towards thinking it was like maybe the doctor or something, but it would turn out it was just like the the son of the of the you know the local landowner sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. I couldn't really think of a better name. Let's put it that way, <laughs> if that makes sense. It, it suits. Mm. It fits purpose. Mm. And like you said, where we were flying by the seat of our pants, it is kind of hard to put a, a moniker over the top of something. Like I don't for the one instance that I have DM'd so far. Like I did have the name in mind, but then I contrived a lot of the instances and made sure that you were sort of limited to certain locations. Yeah. So it it made sense. Like I could keep that overarching title for the thing mm. and and have it known to some extent because well that was what it was yeah, yeah i mean all, it, all it the wasn't. other um story arcs and things that we've done on the podcast i've kind of had the name in mind going into it and i've been able to like tweet it out as like here's the first episode of our you know storyline called this or whatever you know and i've had like a promo image ready and that but like for this because i knew it was going to be the reveal at the end or at least very close to the end i couldn't put that out there sort of thing so it was a little bit different um which i i'm not i i like how that worked because it, it the title worked with what the story was but the fact that you got well, we hadn't even finished recording it at that point like to the point where like most of it was already up that was why i couldn't put it out there and like if i had put mm. it out there beforehand um like say we'd had the whole thing recorded in one go and then I started putting them out. Mm. I still couldn't really put the title out because it would have spoiled it for the listeners. So mm. It, it's it's a tough one, really. If you compare it to um, the way that you put out the the titles for the um, for the Star Wars game we did, Temple yeah. Squadron, that kind of works because when you think of Star Wars, every, when every movie comes out, there's a tagline that goes with it. Exactly. But when you're doing something like Call of Cthulhu, where it's all the idea is there's mystery and suspense and horror. It's not just adventure, flying around, destroying things with spaceships and everything. Mm. You kind of you have to keep things secret in yeah. that regard and i think when you're doing something like all through it works better to keep the main plot points in terms of like titles and stuff keeping it as close to your chest as possible until the very end because you want to keep people coming back to it whereas if you're jumping into something like star wars mm. you know the, the what's going to happen in the episode is kind of in the title but it's it's the, it's the difference it's kind of yeah. space adventure versus gripping murder mystery well that's the thing horror. yeah there's not really mm-hmm. there, with star well star wars is a good example there's not there wasn't really a mystery there like you guys were sent on a mission that stuff happened but like it wasn't exactly a, it but wasn't that's kind mystery. of but that's how that's yeah. how, what i was getting at there's no mystery in star wars so you could afford to be like flight of the tempest which mm. is kind of like you know you know did we're i call gonna, it that that was the last episode yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah it was one of the episodes yeah but yeah it's that kind of thing you can you can afford to pepper it with ideas of where the story's going whereas mm. with this one with cool cthulhu you had to be 
secretive and that's how you keep people yeah. going oh shit well i think that worked with the the type of game we were playing as well it was yeah. like i was trying to keep the mysteries there that and i i think i don't know if that 100 percent worked in some places um especially i think maybe just because it was all our first time playing it i wasn't uh, full disclosure i wasn't too um confident about my pacing with it especially coming straight to this from D D, where like everything was moving everybody was like okay i've got a plot moving in my mind all this and i wasn't quite sure you know, it seemed it's the very the first recording session we did of this seemed to me that like the pacing was odd. It worked out in the edit and that, and I think it worked with the story. But at that time, I think I still had in mind that this was going to be about a six episode storyline, so it felt like we hadn't done a lot. But in with it being a thirteen episode storyline, I think it kind of worked as a sort of slow burn. But um, mm. I mean, we're all kind of finding our feet a little bit with the system at that point, weren't we? So. It's, mm. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. And especially for me, there was an element of, with, I think we talked about it before, possibly off mic, but there's an element of, um, with D&D, you know where you're at with the type of storytelling. That there's, there's story arcs that we're all very familiar with because we know a lot about fantasy and what have you. Whereas 1930s Britain, plus <laughs> Cthulhu mythos, is a very specific thing by comparison. Yeah. Where D&D is like, all right, I know all the ingredients and I can throw it all into the pot and whatever I throw in, it all comes out looking okay. With this, it was more like, okay, if I take a really weird tonal misstep with my character, is somebody listening going to go, well, that's so completely inauthentic that I'm up off now, like I'm not paying attention anymore. Hmm. Not that we were aiming for like extreme authenticity or anything, but it was something that was definitely in my mind to begin with and and feeling a lot of trepidation like, okay, do I want to say that my character wants to do this because is that the apt thing in the moment? And I think, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouths, but I think but we were all doing that a little bit to begin with. of sort of like, so do you think we should do this? No, I'm not sure. And then, and then a bit of umming and ahhing before we finally just went, I, I guess we'll do this then. Yeah. Well, on the on the pacing thing as well, I think that we ended up with a lot of recapping going on as well. Mm, um, yes, and that was something I took a, a very specific point of not like every time we met a new character, like I'm not going to repeat what we've just talked about. Yeah, <laughs> that was my internalized thing. Like I'm not, I'm going to regurgitate the pertinent information. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not to say it wasn't a bad thing. Like it worked in certain circumstances because it was interesting to sort of see how like a thing would happen. And then to see how the character would then tell other people about it, whether it changed in the telling sort of thing. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that was that was another thing that I think it just sort of threw me off a little bit because we're used to in D&D that didn't happen at all. It was just like stuff would happen and that might just been down to like <laughs> your D&D characters not really wanting to talk to each other about stuff. But like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. don't really plan much in character in that in that no. little scenario <laughs> but it was a it was a I, I'm just, i'll just say it was a bit of a change of pace let's say and it's mm. um yeah it's interesting um okay let's look at tayshaw's second question will there be further adventures of our protagonists in brackets alas poor spoiler well i think we can say at this point <laughs> i knew him well alas poor barnard but uh <laughs> um i don't know maybe what do you guys think? I'll be up for coming back. Yeah. I would be up for coming back. Yeah, it's going to take a level of contrivance, I think, to get Barnard <laughs> back on the uh, on the playing fields, as it were. But I think Barnard, Barnard might be an interesting side character for something in the future. 
Barnard and his caters. Yeah. <laughs> I've, just, I've just got this vision of this surly, scarred, stinking man who howls at the moon every time it's out in the sky. It's like, what, what good is he to anybody yeah. at this point? That's true. We we, we need to give you guys a, like an opportunity to explore your newfound phobias and manias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That train fear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. gold. <laughs> It would be interesting to see where we go from here, given the yeah. end of the episode and how it all. It did. Go, sorry, go on. Given Amy. that we just we just oh, drove I was off say, into we have to the be on the run. Yeah, the, the whole thing yeah. would just be this weird 1930s kind of like running from the cops thing. <laughs> oh God, we, you'd have that the police turn up at this like little seaside cottage, um, and like poor Sway and uh, Alistair are looking after poor Bernard, and they're like, yes. <laughs> What do you want? Be like a one episode thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even Cthulhu at that point. It's just a police procedural. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, maybe it's just the the setting and everything, but I, my, my mind just went to a dark place where it's like, okay, so Alistair and Sway have now got Bernard and they're living a hard life, scraping by, and then somebody comes and knocks on the door and they're full of fear and it's like, what do we do? Oh, just unleash Barnard on him. Do that, do that. I want to see. I want to. I want to hear that happen. That'd be great. So this is this is all to say maybe <laughs> I'll pick another X Files yeah. episode to rip off. And, uh, <laughs> it would be interesting to see where the story would go after the events of the last episode. Like yeah. we're on the run. Bernard's gone mad. Um, we've yeah, one monster has been dealt with, but there's that deeper mystery. There's another monster, the rise of fascism <laughs> across Europe <laughs> <laughs> coming up. But in terms of what um, Lady Druitt said when she was talking to Alistair at the end, she went on about how you know we serve a a, a darker monster. Yeah. If I spoke his name, you would lose your mind. This kind of thing. It'd be interesting to see how the story develops. Does she come back for a revenge on us? Or? To be fair, that was partly a cop out because I knew I would mispronounce it. And like, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, because there's, the, there's the long version, you know, with the things and stuff. And oh, I was yeah. just like, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> but no, I think no. It, uh, that's that's a joke, really. But yeah. like, yeah, no, it'd be interesting to come back. Like, it did leave it very open. Yeah, I will say, mm. uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point, actually, me saying which X-Files episode will I rip off next. The monster was 100% based on the um, the sort of the X-Files first year. Like, funny enough, I've just started to re-watch. But there's uh, this kind of monster slash kind of bad guy who's in two episodes in the first season called um, Eugene Victor Toombs, who, like... Oh, sustains that squeeze. Yeah, he, sustains, yeah. Oh. he can like squeeze himself out. I took that part. Everybody out of remembers squeezing. Yeah, yeah, but like he he <laughs> sustains himself by eating like five livers every thirty it years is. and then hibernates. And I, I basically just took the liver eating part. But like I kind of thought like, well, maybe the monster in this is sort of that. I kind of started that as a point because I was just like, well, wow, that guy's super creepy. So mm-hmm. we're playing a creepy game. We'll just have that be the monster. And I was like, okay, well then I started tying it into like. You know, he's the offspring of like offspring of Cthulhu worshippers. You know, something fucked up happened. Mm. Um, yeah. But then I was like, well, wouldn't maybe the liver eating that was not meant to happen? Maybe he does have a deficiency. That's why he has to eat livers. So you know, he was just meant to be like a monster. But then it something went wrong, and you know, he was born. You know, <clears throat> he was born with a with, this, with a malfunctioning liver, and he has to sustain himself by eating others eating others and stuff it was kind of weird and messed up and that but 
that was kind of my thought process with that was like okay let's pick a creepy villain and we'll just tweak him slightly to fit what we're doing sort of thing but yeah um well this is okay this next question is more of like a sort of mechanical one really which is i mean we already kind of said how much we didn't really look at the rules um would you consider using the optional spend luck rules in future scenarios and encourage people to push their roles too? We haven't, we didn't do any role pushing in this, which we've done a, we've done once or twice, uh, haven't we, even in our current, we're, we're doing things from the flood at the moment, which has got mm-hmm, yeah. that. I, until Teisho sent me this question, this is how much I didn't read the Call of Cthulhu rulebook. Until Teisho sent me this question, I didn't know that was a feature in Cthulhu as well. Um, I did see look on the character sheet, and I I just didn't at any point feel like I wanted to re-roll anything, because I was kind of like, a lot of the time my rolls just went in the direction where I was like, I can run with that, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah I kind of felt, I felt the same, but my, I didn't really want to re-roll my rolls. No. Yeah, I think part hmm. of the fun of it is that we're, it, we kind of like, because we're not really playing, playing to win is what I mean, but you know what I mean, like, we're playing more for the story side of it than the like dice rolling game side of it. I feel that we're yeah. we're sort of we're not that bent out of shape on the podcast by failing rolls. It's like a, oh, let's see what happens next sort of thing more mm. than anything else. So I wouldn't rule it out. Like if we're playing again, I wouldn't. And somebody's like, oh, can I just can I spend a luck point and re-roll that? You know, I'm not going to say no. But I feel like like you say, we didn't really feel the need to, did we? It was just like, oh, we failed. What's going to happen? Rather yeah, than... yeah, and I've got absolute trust. Like I've played more than enough at this point with you as the GM, and I've got absolute trust that you're not going to immediately go. Well, here's the biggest slap in the world for you not passing that. Hmm. You want the story to go forward. We're all trying to push a narrative, so yeah, you don't win every time. No, and I think it's sometimes it's sometimes more interesting to listen to. It. Well, the okay, here's a weird example that's slightly tied into the 1930s, but only only tangentially, like. The funniest and like the, what gives it some of its charm, the bits in like Raiders of the Lost Ark, is where you try and do something and it doesn't go right. Like, mm. yeah, like where Indy falls from the statue in the in in the pit of those and land like he doesn't mean to fall, but he lands right in front of the snake, and that's like that iconic moment of like, you know, there in. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, exactly, and like, and the, <laughs> there's nothing. It, it, there's nothing less interesting than like everything going right all the time, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like narrative. I do. Like... I do think that luck is a concept as well. In in again, it's that juxtaposition against like we've got D and D world where it feels like luck as an intrinsic kind of ethereal property in the world has its place. Mm. Whereas in the real world, and I, rerolls don't feel like they make as much sense to me. Maybe it's just me, but it's one of those things where it's like. If my guy has aimed a gun, let's say, and pulled the trigger, where's the part in real world where the re-roll can occur? Like, in D&D, I can imagine there's, like, an extra plane of existence where maybe the gods are watching and they're going, oh, no, I want to see, like, um, Clash of the Titans or Jason and the Argonauts style. Like, they're playing chess and they're like, oh, let's just, I want to see it go the other way. Let's do a re-roll and see if maybe my guy can get through this. Hmm. Whereas our universe... I just don't have that hanging over it, I guess. Yeah, I think it, de- I think it de- kind of depends how you frame it. I mean, it could be framed as, like, more of a retcon than a, you know, I'd say the, the, the D- like, as you say, the D&D side of it, of, like, maybe it being, like, a god favouring their person going, like, oh, no, no, have another crack at that. 
it's still a retcon, but it's more like you can frame it as like, no, they've got a fate, they've, they've got divine favor. Whereas I suppose mm-hmm. in, in the, these more sort of real world ones, you could just frame it as like, you're, you know, no, that didn't, that, that, wait, that didn't go that way. You know what I mean? Rather than like, it didn't go that way because mm-hmm. anyone interfered. It could just be like, your, your character just happens to be lucky. So we'll give that another go. But it, it's. I'm just thinking in terms of like the example that I gave, one way of doing it that you might be able to, that might play out logically for, for like real world settings would be like, okay, so you've pulled the gun and you've aimed and fired and you missed the first time. So let's re roll it. You get it on the second time. So that bullet that you fired, it still went to the same place, but it ricocheted off four things and hit the location you were trying to get to. Yeah, that's one way of doing it. That, yeah. that's, that would be, I don't know, I, that kind of suits my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think that would depend on each each individual sort of scenario you know each role's got its own context i suppose mm-hmm. really yeah it would feel like a <clears throat> in my head it would feel like um a re-roll is like a quick time event in a video game where if you don't hit the buttons mm. in the right sequence at the right time you know lara's gonna get swept out of the waterfall and get impaled on a wooden tree trunk <laughs> that's split in half for the fifth time yeah exactly <laughs> that first Tomb Raider reboot was fucking brutal man I need to um, replay it that it was great it was great but my god some of the deaths even the early on ones if you fell off a ledge oh, or yeah, didn't get out in time some. she was screwed right from the off but that's what it kind of yeah. feels like in the games like here when you know you, you want to re-roll to try and hit something it feels like you've, you've just managed to mash mm. the B button enough times to get to the next animation so you've kind of re- realized where the peril is maybe and you're just like oh no no just just give me one more go yeah, yeah exactly that's 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 yeah. kind of how it feels but not doing we didn't do so much of that because we like said so we didn't do the spend luck thing mm. well yeah. the other one there the the like Sorry. push their roles i again i haven't read it in the cthulhu book but where we've been playing things from the flood you can do a re-roll but if you fail at that time you also take another penalty on top that I think, oh, I, I'm going to assume it's something similar in Cthulhu. So we take more risks. So yeah, I mean, you might succeed with the reroll, but if you don't succeed on the reroll, you've not only failed, you also get a condition, sort of thing. Hmm. So, yeah, so you so suffer an added, twice. An added. Yeah, yeah, that's the gamble of it. You know, sort of like, oh, you can have another go, but if this goes wrong, it's going to go wrong worse, hmm. sort of thing. I think for. Right. For story, it's gonna per- go wrong, and you're gonna hurt for like three more rounds. Yeah, <laughs> for story purposes, that probably work better in a situation where there's a lot of kind of action set pieces going on. But where we were doing the story side of things for this arc, hmm. the only main area of action that we had really it's like in the last episode was in the last episode yeah. with the firefight in trying to take down the monster. And um, I think if you're gonna do that kind of pushing your roles to try and win back. I think if we're gonna if you go if we're gonna if your characters are gonna suffer that kind of extra penalty, it would work better in a situation where there's a bigger fight going on potentially. Yeah. It, I don't it maybe it would have worked if we'd done that in the last episode because we're coming to the end of the story. Hmm. But I think you'd need a proper set piece to really have all the consequences and I think, mean something yeah. that affects the rest of the story. Because right at the end, there's no guarantee it's going to mean anything if we all end up dying in there and that, it just stops. I think really the only difference that might have made in the last episode was maybe Barnard didn't go insane. Possibly. He might, um, he might have kept his sanity. Because yeah. at the end of it, you guys like all didn't die. You know, mm. So it could have gone a lot worse. It could have done. We, we could all have perished in that as yeah. well. That's the flip side. Yeah. I mean, I'm he, thinking that if I'd pushed my luck with Barnard and tried to re-roll anything, it would have gone twice as bad. It'd been mad. Seem to like, be the pattern, a few, a few yeah. episodes earlier or something. 
It's just your natural dice rolling bent. Yeah, it, that was not your day. That really wasn't your day. Well, when we dice bot was being none a real of, None bugger. of the days were the days with Barnard. Yeah. Prons is the one with the magic luck. He gets to win yeah. backflip content and do absurd things. Well, that's the difference, Barnard, though, isn't it? Is that all of this... A little peek behind the curtain here. All of our Cthulhu ones have been recorded over Discord, and you've been doing your dice with a dice bot. But when we've been playing uh, D&D and you've been playing as Prons, you've been in the room rolling real dice. Mm. So maybe you got like luck in the wrists. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a, yeah. You know? No, not. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of. I'm not sure we do. I'm making, um, I'm making no allusions to things off the wrist. Nobody knows what apart I mean. From that yeah. one. <laughs> no, you, you get you get what I mean. It's like a different. You, you're asking a computer to do it, and the luck isn't transferring. Mm. Whereas mm-hmm. here, you're 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 rolling them bones and. Um, I've got the juju. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, because when you're doing physical dice, you're rolling with intent to try and get something good, whereas a computer is cold logic. You'll just exactly. spit at any number Spitting it feels like. And, and it I, doesn't you know. know what you're going through in terms of the game context. So yeah. It has no like lean towards whether making you fail or succeed. Mm. Plus, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sl- slightly doubting the the actual randomness of the dice bot we use based on the number of 95s you were getting. Yes. But, it did make me wonder. Just There were a lot of 90s that, yeah. that last session in particular. All, all round. I wasn't the only one getting them. Yeah, but I mean, that's, what's done is done. But like, mm. <laughs> that's why I prefer real <laughs> dice. But I'll oh have well. to get my own set of dice over here, and then I can point a webcam at them if you do, if you doubt me at any point. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one way of doing it. You also get a more satisfying roll with a proper dice. You get the sound effect, whereas you just got key hit enter. Oh, it's true. Like even yeah. in, even in the edit, I prefer it when there's real dice hitting the table because you can hear it. Yeah. Because um, when you guys use the dice bot, you don't always say what's happened. It's just like, mm. and especially when I'm editing it, I'm I sometimes just goes like me going, I'll make this kind of roll, and then me go, okay, yeah, that passes, and there's no sound in between. Yeah. Because I don't get like a didn't or anything on this side. It's just a number coming off my screen, and sometimes the players don't say anything, so I have to be like, and you passed. But it does does sound like I've fixed it in the edit, which is a little a little frustrating. Can but. you set the notification sound on um, that window f- as to be a dice roll sound bite? Because then that could kind of <laughs> yeah, that's work. a lot of extra effort, really, isn't it? Well, yeah. I could, what I could do is actually just roll my own dice on the table anytime anybody's rolling. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe then you get the you get the real atmosphere of it. <laughs> we'll see. What, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. So uh, next question: When the reveal happened, I'm assuming by this I mean uh, the reveal of the monster. Um, was that what the players thought was going on, or did they think it was something else? I mean, you were uh, you. I mean, Mark, you were mm. the first one to like actually run into the monsters. So that's what I was going to turn to you. For oh, that. that's but true. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Um, I. <sighs> At that point, when um, we, Alistair went out of the theatre looking for um, for the, uh, the the guy that was playing um, was it Caliban. Caliban, yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, went out into the side alley of the theatre to find him. I, in my head, I thought he's going to mutate in front of Alistair for a minute because right. initially I thought. So you yeah. thought he was the culprit? I thought he was the culprit. Okay. Um, kind of stupidly, because knowing the way that you run these games, nothing is ever true what it seems, but I was kind of naive enough to think... Nothing I wonder if he's true gonna, if there's no plan going yeah. in. Well, I wonder if you were going to pull, pull, a, pull a, uh, a kind of a bait and switch and sort of like, actually, yeah, it turns out he was the culprit the whole time. Yeah. And when we got to the point where he kind of... You said he was bleeding out, I thought, well, hang on, that doesn't make sense. Right. 
So, so you, if he you wasn't the, to that point, did think it was kind of like a person, but maybe like I thought a, a person, person, but with a ability to transmute okay. or change into whatever happened. And then when we got to that next bit where I turned around to see the actual monster in front of me, mm. at the way you described it initially, my mind instantly went to one of the Resident Evil games because the description you gave made me think of. Um, one of the Iron Maidens from Resident Evil 4. Which, I haven't played 4. But, no, um, Joe has, your brother. He's played it quite a lot. He, so it's it's really kind of hideous, grotesque-looking features on the face, long talons. The main difference with the Iron Maiden is if you get too close, spikes come out from the torso and basically yeah. impale you. Well, I was kind of thinking the opposite of the face, like the... the the face on the monster in this wasn't grotesque. It was like it was, it was, more it was, like, the, it was like the only human bit of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but the fa- I think the f- main the main physical form overrided the appearance of the face yeah. initially, and by the time Alistair had actually hit the ground and fainted out, I started to process it a bit more and thought, hmm, I wonder if we're probably going to meet up with this thing again. But then you gave me the conditions of the fact that I've encountered it, but I can't remember anything for a while because it's yeah. the... What did you call it? What, what was it? Sanity like, Rub? I had a condition where I couldn't remember. I think it was amnesia. It was amnesia. Um, but yeah, so it was... <sighs> Which it legit- legitimately is what I rolled on the table. Like, mm, that is what, yeah. <laughs> and it worked quite well for the story because when we got to the next episode, it was kind of us to not really knowing what was going yeah. on. Which I think that, that works. I liked the idea yeah. of you passing out and having no idea what had happened. And... Mm. I think at that point, once once we'd seen the monster, though, it definitely... Gave it us, kind of limits the. I mean, you've seen it then, haven't you? So that I've really I've seen thing. it, but then it gave it gave me something to add into the story when the other two characters were asking what happened. When I finally yeah. did remember, it was a case of okay, I've told them about it. They seem to be buying into what I've told them, which is the truth. Mm-hmm. We're definitely at some point going to come across this thing again, but I really had no clue that it was going to be something massively grotesque. Yeah. Um, given what happened in the theatre as well, because the body was in the ceiling, how, in the rafters, how would the mm. body have gotten up there without, with, with this thing? Because if, if it was as big as you said it was, it made me think, how well, made it afterwards, like, how would it have gotten in it there? Wasn't huge, I wasn't thinking it was like, it's not like the, it's not like the size of a truck or anything. It was like it was like seven, seven and a half feet tall. In my head. No, but it's the idea of that. You, de- you definitely notice it if you saw it. How yeah. would it get in and out undetected in the theatre? And how would it have got up there to put the body up yeah. in the rafters. But no, it, it definitely felt like a bit of a switcheroo when it turned out not to be Caliban. Mm. I thought, oh, crap. Well, that was, my, that, was, that was on purpose. Yeah. I was, I was doing everything I could to kind of make it seem like this guy was up for it, so including mm. like you guys getting freaked out, which was, you know, yeah. by his costume sort of thing, which was just like, it's just a pretty good costume. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it did seem like from the description, like really kind of almost too lifelike. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just kind of yeah. I don't know if I made it get kind of got it across. I was kind of having it be like the maybe in the backs of your heads, like having seen a couple of like the wounds already, like on the like the verger that had been killed. Mm. Like it was just like preying on your mind, and you maybe your unconscious was thinking like, "Wow, those claws look like they could have done it," mm. as opposed to looking at it going, "That's him. He did it." It was just kind of make putting you on edge. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely that, and then the build up to yeah. going to look for him after the body fell, yeah. and the whole theater went crazy. Well, that was kind of on purpose, like I say. So it was sort of yeah. But like I said, what I mean is the build up definitely worked, and it for me it was a surprise when it turned out not to be Caliban, and there was yeah. this other thing there in front of me because I was honestly expecting him to turn into something in front of me mm. but, I mean, so, well, yeah. what about um, either Eden or Amy who did, did you have any sort of thoughts about the reveal going in I mean 
did you think it was going to be something completely different or what was the uh, what was the the thought the only thing that i had in mind both in character and out of character was an innate dis- distrust of uh landed gentry and anybody that's the, the <laughs> that's just out of game authority. as well <laughs> yeah yeah, the yeah that's what i say in and out of game that's that's very much my modus operandi is like oh you you just have your money do you right I, so i don't trust you one bit <laughs> if you're a toff yeah, get but... stuffed basically <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was it was a very strong feeling of like, well, and I don't know how, but the druids were involved. That was the only thing throughout that I think was was on my mind in particular. Mm. I yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, I think I, I I love investigating and like finding information out. So when we started finding little little like snippets of information about the druid, Lady Druid, it was like, oh. Yeah, she's she's a bad egg. What's yeah. she done? But I mean, in terms of like, did you have any thoughts before the monster sort of showed up or or not? Because I mean, you yours was the one character I guess that didn't go in and see the um the the scene at the you didn't go at see the church. The, the, the yeah, church I scene, didn't see no. the church. Yeah. No, I think for I think if I had, Sway probably would have lost a lot of sanity points. Yeah, that was definitely going to be a... Sa- I mean, I think I actually made Alistair and Barnard have sanity rolls when they looked. I think you did, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a while back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we recorded this <laughs> over the course of... Yeah, I mean, yeah. The episodes went up every two weeks, but we did the first session in November. We did, yeah. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, I think I lost one sanity point when I saw the Verger cor- the Verger's corpse. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I think the same thing happened to um, Bernard as well. Yeah. And then, but yeah, I, I think I can't remember. It, did we lose? Did, did we lose any sanity when he emer- the monster emerged in the last episode from the well? Did we? Did I don't we, remember. Did we not roll for that? Or? I think you rolled for it, and you both passed. We did it. roll. Yeah. Oh. I, 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 yeah, I think we kind of stood our ground at that moment. Yeah. In, in character, I've got a vague recollection of feeling like. Now Barnard's resolute at this moment. Like once mm. the roll had been made, it was like, oh well, I can play this as like he's he's not backing down at this point. Yeah. Doesn't like matter I, what kind of cosmic horror might be in front of him. Like I was, I was playing Sway that she didn't really believe there was a creature, but maybe there was like some madman mm. or I mean, he, some deranged even, kind of person. Even in that last episode, you were you were saying that you didn't quite believe it was a real thing. Yeah. Um, because she never saw it until that final episode. No. Um. Yeah, you definitely yeah, I, would have had to have a sanity check if you would have seen the scene in the church. Cause it, I, yeah, because I'm I'm pretty sure she she saw the she saw the monster and then immediately ran out. Pretty ran much, yeah. Out of the, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the other thing as well, and I think I've mentioned this probably off mic actually because I don't think I've said it on anything. Like you were the one who very early on could have run into the monster, mm. like very very <laughs> early on, because. On the first morning, you went into the theatre and you found the door open and just went in, dropped your letter off, and I said you can hear movement upstairs, and you were like, "I'll just leave." Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was going to be oh. the monster, like up there doing, like hiding feeding. the body or something, or like feeding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, like, I had thought it was maybe like it was possibly probably a a member of like. Staff well, yeah. I mean, you. Would, I mean, logically, yeah, <laughs> it would be. But like, because I mean, you wouldn't go in thinking like, oh, it's probably a monster up there. I just won't go up there. Like, 
but like it would have been like that would have been a very early intro to the monster but if you would have gone up there i would have had you see something and maybe like freak out yeah i don't know well that would be dependent on what you do and like what you roll on a sanity check or whatever but you would have seen something you couldn't explain and looked pretty crazy um, but <laughs> this was like a, li- a little bit of a running thing with Madame Sway, where I had like yeah, a like she just this randomly avoid stuff. Yeah, I had a like a, a scene or something in mind, like uh, yeah, not like I wasn't like pinning my hopes on like okay, this is definitely going to happen. But like I'd sort of build up to like a thing, and you were like there, and I'd be like, what do you want to do? And thinking like yeah, there's every chance that she'll go and do that, and you'd just be like, I'm going to turn around and walk away. Is it entirely possible that the reason Madame Sway was always walking away is because Amy's played enough role-playing games, with AJ included, to know when he's trying to lead someone well, into a deliberate this trap. This was kind of the first one I DM'd with you in, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first one you DM'd with But she's yeah. played with you another thing. She thought, yeah. well, I sense a trap. Well, yeah, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm not the DM, I think, though. I think, it's more, I, think it, I think it's more because I'm so used to Nikolai... Yeah, um, and I've played. I, me and Nikolai have played for God ten plus years, at least. Um, and the the madness that he has put us through <laughs> has makes you distrusting. Oh, it makes me distrust DMs in general, and them like right. So I always, in the back of my mind, I'm always like thinking about the worst case scenario. I mean, sometimes so I, try, I, I do try not to do it with some with my characters. I will say, it's not me, in their character. With me, not everything is going to be a trap. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> like sometimes stuff's just there for flavor. But in that case, yes, it was that was a monster. But yeah, you, you <laughs> avoided that super well. <laughs> I don't want to see the monster. It's a trap. Yeah, it's As, a trap. <laughs> um. Well, let's lead on to this next question. What were your favourite things that happened in the campaign? Uh, well, let's start with you, Amy, as, as we're going on that. I kind of like the whole getting together of the trio, to be fair. Just getting... like the meeting up every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole, like, just banter. <laughs> um, Swade just trying to control, trying to make sure Bernard's okay. Make sure Barnard right doesn't back. attack anybody. Yeah, make sure Barnard doesn't attack <laughs> be, anyone. Be a surly bastard to everybody. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I, I really enjoyed um, when we were all at the theatre together and we had the whole body fall into the um, the crowd and stuff. Oh, yeah. That, was, that mm. was really good. I really enjoyed that whole that whole episode. You all kind yeah, of went into... I definitely agree with that. It, I think everything pulled into sharp focus after that had happened. That I, everybody's impetus was very much like, well, here's a current event that happened right in front of us. We're all directly involved, so there's no walking away from this one. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I think um, I've, I'll agree with you on that one. The whole bit from the theatre, like arriving for the performance, the body falling, leading up to the following day after Alistair's encounter and he gets to re sort of tell the others what happened yeah Yeah. and then sort of from there leading up to going to the police and just straight out lying to them Hmm. (laughs) and being (laughs) so confident with it as well well. (laughs) and uh, i thought that was actually probably my my really my favorite part of the entire story was that long sequence which was about about four episodes it was about two and a half i think in total (laughs) well there was uh yeah because there was the the theater 
Um, the body dropped. Yeah, that happened in the same way he went in the theatre, I think. A, like, that was at the end of that episode. Yeah, then the police then the turned fo- up. Then the whole episode after that was the investigation. and the, Yeah, so three episodes. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Sort of thing. Was, yeah, I think that was probably my favourite bit because it, it, like Eden said, it brought everything into focus and we started to actually bring in a pace of, you know, everything is starting to happen in a sequence that we can now follow towards the conclusion. But I I do also have to mention, I did enjoy the um, the Verger uh, sequence, Madame Sway, right the way up to oh, us um, meeting up outside the church. The whole, that first initial investigation bit I thought was yeah, quite good. Yeah, yeah. It was just sort of like a little side thing, really, wasn't it? And, it was, but it then, set up the, it set up the mystery quite well. And um, I did enjoy being the one going into the room and looking at the body and doing all the kind of introspective comments like, good grief, what would do that to a man? Yeah. That kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of um, Melodramatic sort of... Melodramatic like... exposition, yeah. Good Lord, what's happened to another, this chap? Another bit I enjoyed was the when we went to investigate the the residence of the doctor and we had the whole kerfuffle with the with the oh, housekeeper oh god like well the, the, okay well that exactly was is there a case of like that was not planned because i thought i i mean i obviously wasn't that clear but like i at no point said that the doctor had gone home like I mean, we just assumed i double checked it in the edit at no point did i mention the doctor going home go leaving in fact i even i think i mentioned he's leaving with an orderly and all this and you like there was no discussion on it somebody just went right we need to find out where the doctor's house is and you were all in at that point and i was like oh god wait what like <laughs> like and then that whole section which is like 25 minutes half an hour of like finding out i was like in my head, I was like, well, I know what's happening in the plot. We're like 12 episodes in at this point. I'm not going to change stuff. Like, like I've been building to a thing. And you went off in the uh, complete opposite direction. And I was just like, well, they won't find anything then. And they'll just waste a lot of time. But like... <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it was that said we need to go to the house. It might, I yeah, don't, I'm, I'm racking yeah. my brain. I can't think. I don't I'm pretty remember sure who it was. was. Eden. <laughs> it, that's very possibly. <laughs> like, because we were in his, his office. Swearing... Bart, Bart, Bernard were in his office and then we kind of left. We had to kind of leave, didn't we? Because the mm. you, you upset a poor nurse. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to be a bit too aggressive with her. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, let's take a slight break from uh, Tayshaw's questions. We've actually got one from our own uh, Mark Button, at Mark B Design, um, who he sent this to me last minute. Uh how about did the period setting help or hinder your character choices? Because it's not like your characters could just whip out your iPhones and Google for help with stuff. <laughs> and the funny thing there is, if we'd done the modern setting that's included in the Cthulhu um, Play mm. Handbook, we could have done. Yeah, theory. I mean that was an option. Mm. Yeah, um, I think the the nineteen thirty setting was a good challenge because again, it's something like um, the Eden name you brought up earlier. When you're doing stuff in a fantasy world, you've you've got the the standard equipment with you. You've, if you're doing like D and D, you've got your sword, your shield, your axe, you've got your magic spells. Yeah. When you're doing something that's grounded in re- in a real life locale, you've got to deal with real life things. So you would only ever have maybe a pistol, or you would only ever have just the clothes on your back. And mm. you know, depending on your character archetype, um, like Alistair, for example, was a archaeologist. He had a trowel on hand, always in his pocket. Yeah. Um, but he did also have his father's wartime revolver, 
Mm, which he kept on him. I did like you all went to the theatre with guns. It was just that. That <laughs> might be one of my. That might be one of my most favourite points. Going back to the previous. Hey, when shit's going down, we, we prep. We prep. Well, you didn't but, know um, something. You were just like we'll just have a relate. It was literally framed as, well, we'll go to the theatre and try to forget all this. But you all took guns with you. Mm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, protection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the kind most people think of. Paranoid enough. That, that was my justification, at least internally. Exactly. Well, yours is probably the coolest weapon of all. But um, I think it, having the real world setting and being in that time period meant we had to focus more on sort of manual investigation yeah. and just actually using our character's ability to go and speak to people, to visit locations, to do the actual task at hand. If, you, if we were playing this with a digital edge to it, I think it would have taken something out of the mystery and the story arc. It's, a, it's a different game. Mm. I mean, we could have... Yeah. We definitely could have done a mystery then. It just would have been a case of maybe you don't have to break into, like, a records room to find stuff. Maybe you could, like... You just find it on Look them up Wiki online Leaks. or something. <clears throat> yeah, you just go on WikiLeaks and find it there. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been... For me, personally, that would have ended up being a little bit too easy, I think, in terms of a gameplay mechanic and the way the story is going. So I, I really thought well, I just of the, the 1930s. I think I just would have had to find different ways of obscuring the mystery, really. Mm. But yeah, you're right. It sort of mm. yeah. it fit what you were trying to tell, and yeah, definitely the the map that we used internally to uh, know the locations that AJ was you mean talking the, about the one I never finished, <laughs> the one you, one you never fully finished. Yeah, I'm saying it. Um, no, it, was, it was fleshed out enough to know where we were going, though. Yeah, yeah it was fleshed. Credit. It was indeed. Yeah, um, I think it helped that internally because I based it on the real town that I was able to just be like, yeah, I know where everything is. I don't actually need the map to mm. tell you how long it's going to take you to get places. But like, I yeah. think if the thing is, I think if we'd had done it in the modern setting and used the town we live in as it kind of is today, I think that for me personally, I'd have found that a little bit tedious because i know where everything is yeah kind of thing it's not really getting exp- i mean that's <clears throat> a little bit but it is yeah look, but that's what i'm saying that's what i kind of mean like where you did it in the, the 30 setting i was kind of having to work things out think things through in a think things through way. as alistair yeah rather than as myself knowing the area so that made it a bit more enjoyable because we you have we have to manually look for things and you know, experience things to get the information to advance the story. Yeah. I think it worked better in the 30 setting. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I found that every choice that I was making was very much mindful of that factor and designing the character in the first place was very much like what's the, what's on the table, like in the zeitgeist of society at that point, what can I pull from to, to create this character? And in particular, I was very much aiming to be very different from everything that I'd done previously, where I'm typically, I think at this point, it's safe to say that I tend to play silly. And I was yeah. really trying to steer away from that with Barnard. was like, no, no, we're, I'm, I'm going for pathos and like heartache with this character. Super serious. Serious That's all it. the time. You're going to shout at a nurse for information and things like that. Yeah. You're going to howl at the That's moon. <laughs> in time. Yeah. I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoyed the the thirty setting. I don't think I, I for me anyway, it would have worked as well in like a twenty first century setting. Mm. I think that's. I for I don't know. I think with like modern conveniences, it would kind of just make the investigations a lot faster and not as challenging. Yeah, compared to the thirties one. I mean, that's the um, thing with like a bunch of horror movies wouldn't work now because they would. You would literally the first thing you do is pull out a mobile and. Yeah. Be like, yeah, come pick me up. There's a guy with a ski mask on. 
you know. There's an it's app a, for that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a side thought, but um, do do any of you know of a role playing system that involves uh, mixing the occult with technology in such an overt way? Because uh, yeah, I can we, see space. We played Shadowrun. You DM'd it. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about more like specifically <laughs> real world, like a Cthulhu mythos type thing combined with a modern setting. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it's in the rulebook. It is the Cthulhu modern setting. Um, All right. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, I, I just can't help but think that you could do things like have, um, maybe it's just from playing a lot of Shin Megami Tensei games that involve technology and devils and things combining. But the idea of like, okay, so everybody's got a mysterious application on their phone and it's in a language that cannot be read by human eyes and when it comes up on the phone screen, crazy things happen. That's kind of interesting. You could could then channel the occult through the technology and have the story be told, like that juxtaposition of 1930s technology against the occult and what have you, you can have that same thing but with like, yeah, your modern guns don't do anything, or your ability to use the phone. Guess what? If you talk on that phone, the spirit hears you. Yeah, that that kind of. So thing. what I'm trying to, what I'm getting from this is that you want to run a Call of Cthulhu modern story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not queuing myself up to run anything else. I've got a D and D campaign I need to work on right now. Saying anything. The, on, the only um, the only game I can think of that comes close to that is um, there's uh, an add-on edition for for D and D at the moment, which is. Is it Ravin- Ravin- Ravinka? Ravnica. Well, Ravnica, no, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's, where it kind of it that's blends just set in the um, in a uh, magic the gathering world. I mean, but it kind of blends sort of sort of mis- sort of fantasy elements with kind of almost yeah. like steampunky stuff, and kind of blends the two worlds together. So you've got kind of characters that look like mages, but they've got like energy based yeah. weapons and things like I mean, that. There's definitely there's a mechanical side I mean, to it. Even getting away from D and D, there's definitely games out there that do that kind of thing. Mm. Um, mm. But yes. yeah, and I think that I think that there's a lot of potential within that, as I say, that that thing yeah. of like, we all know how technology is supposed to work. So what happens when the occult is now messing with it and making it do <laughs> things that it's not supposed to do? Hmm. If all the rule book gets sort of thrown up in the air and you're kind of scrambling to figure out what's going on, then that's a good mystery again. Right? I think yeah. what you want there is kind of Call of Cthulhu mixed with the Matrix. I mean, like, that, hmm. yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting from. The way you described it, Eden, I, th- I like the sound of it actually. Yeah, maybe yeah, something no, to yeah. to look into, like as a we'll, we'll find out a system and we'll, we'll do, try something like that. Call of but the One. I think the thing to take away really, though, from that you know 1930s versus modern setting thing is that it would have just been a diff. I don't think it would have been bad to do it in a modern setting. It just would have had to have been a different story. If you know what I mean, like mm, it's more yeah. that the story that we did tell wouldn't have worked with modern conveniences, but that's not to say we couldn't have done a version of it that was adjusted for it. If you know what I mean, like I very much was like mm. running it with the thought in mind of like, well, I don't have to worry about anybody pulling out a mobile phone and googling something, or like I don't have to worry about there being CCTV everywhere or anything like that. You know. Mm. That you've got me thinking. What what would the modern equivalent of our characters be? I, I can't help but imagine Barnard with Gulf War syndrome or some, something. Yeah, well, Madame Swaby, like, uh, I mean, entertainer, I guess you, you, she was meant to be. So I'd probably be like some mediocre pop star that's fell out of favor. <laughs> YouTube pundit, maybe. Yeah, like a like a YouTube a vlogger. Oh, God, yeah. Like a, yeah, like a vlogger. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be something Alistair. Like would, Alistair would probably be um, part of Time Team. 
Oh God, no! Was it Mick? Who no, had, you're... Always talk with a West Country accent like that. Yeah, oh, that's the one that was immediately in my mind. Was that guy? <laughs> I've worked I... with him. Yeah. Have you really? Yes. He's an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Can that go on the podcast? <laughs> no. Uh, do I have to edit that out? No, you could leave it on. It's fine. Yeah, I just want to tell the story. I just want to tell the story. Yeah, just tell the story. Tell us the story off, off air. But um, mm. I think Alistair, <laughs> so Alistair, I think, would be the kind of like, he's not, he doesn't really use, he doesn't use smartphones. He's born 30 years too late. Yeah, maybe. That kind, maybe. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? The, or he lives rural and only uses technology for basic things. Possibly. Yeah, yeah something like that. I've got family members like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think well, one final note on from from me anyway on the kind of the setting for it. I think Call of Cthulhu, if you're going for the historic setting, sort of 1920s, 1930s, it definitely works well from an, an atmosphere perspective because the main thing that happened in real life at that point was, of course, the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Post-war, country was you know struck, most countries that were involved in the war were struggling with finances, struggling to rebuild. Mood was generally quite low for all the populace in Europe um, and in America as well. So I think it, it it definitely adds something to the story. It adds to the bleakness. And with the modern setting, I mean, know, a lot like of the bleakness that, is just channeled through Facebook and the say, papers. It's, it's still, it's still kind, kind of, of like that. There's just more K-pop these days. There's more K-pop <laughs> and there's definitely more UKIP as well. Nicely done. Mm. <laughs> a bit of K-pop UKIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Um... <laughs> So, uh, let, Segway. let's, let's, thank you. <laughs> uh, Tayshel's next question. Um, did you get any angry messages saying that's not how you play Cthulhu? Uh, no, the opposite, actually. <laughs> we had a bunch of, not a bunch, but we had a couple of people being like, I oh, really, really enjoying the story. You know, in fact, um, Squid, who plays, uh, plays on uh, Plummet with me and Amy, he actually messaged me to say that like, this got him into playing Cthulhu. So, oh, yeah. that's good. That's cool. So, yeah, no, we don't get that much hate mail, I think. Yeah, I don't think we're connected to that particular part of the uh, role-playing community. There are absolute sticklers for, like, this is in the yeah. rulebook, you must play it this way. I mean, we pretty much... We, we, really, we don't preface it that that's what we're doing either. Yeah, like, I mean, if, we, if the opposite of anything, we up front be like, yeah, we didn't read the rules. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, sto- the, 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 the arcs are here to, for us to play yeah. a story and have fun. If the rules get followed to a T, fine. If they don't, if they get played around with a little bit... If it advances the story, then liberties can be taken every now and again. If you if you're too deadly serious with something that's story arc driven, you lose sight of where it's going, and it be, sometimes it can become quite unenjoyable. And I've been part of non podcast D and D games in the past where they've done that, and it's turned Proper, into like, rules lawyers and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time I played D and D, that kind of happened, and the adventure was over for my character really quickly, and yeah. um, the group didn't carry on for much more than maybe two sessions after that. I just and don't, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a personal choice because, I mean, some people, that's what they get out of the game is that, you know, we've learned all the rules and we're abiding by the rules and that. Exactly. I think, I mean, going, and I've said it before and definitely said it off <laughs> off mic with you, Eden, a bunch of times, but I don't think the, um, it works as a podcast to have that kind of game going. Mm. Um, no. Because, I mean. I think I still do. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, just speaking you from call. a personal point, I wouldn't find it that interesting to hear, listen to an hour of us arguing over a rule book. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I'd rather the story move forward and we have a laugh and the cat, um, you know, you're listening because of the characters and you enjoy the characters and their interactions. And yeah, there's going to be some role playing because we're obviously playing with different systems and stuff. And there's going to be a bit of dice rolling and stuff. And, you know, characters have been built using that system. But if we're sort of stuck in a corner, I'd rather go with like role playing than rules lawyering, if that makes sense. Mm. I just mm. think that's more fun. And I, I think a lot of, I, I hope our listeners would agree with me. Or oh, they'd probably stop listening if they didn't like us. You know, <laughs> if people didn't like it, they wouldn't listen to it. But yeah, from my experience on the Star Wars one, it definitely works better to follow the rules close enough to get through the encounters, but not so strictly that we end up stopping the story yeah. for the sake of you know somebody failing so badly that they're incarcerated for the rest of the game or anything like that. No, we're going to do you that know. for other reasons. Yeah, well, yeah, it's fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, it's it's more fun when we're going to do that because it's funny, get, not because it's yeah, badly. It's true. Well, can you imagine if the first Star Wars session that we did upstairs was recorded? Oh, good lord! That would oh, oh, yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Better. But um, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely more enjoyable when you're telling a story to follow the rules loosely without too yeah. much in the way of. Um, As a, yeah, I mean, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A reprimand yeah. afterwards for what you have or haven't done because you, you're going to lose people, listeners and you're going to lose focus of yeah. the story. I mean, as I said, it's a personal thing. You know, I'm not, we're not here to tell people that their own games can't be like that if that's what they enjoy. No, indeed. But that's just not what we do here. Yeah, the, so. you're here to get us through stories that you've yeah. crafted. That's, that's the I point. I think the craft is that we've come to doing well, that. You are crafting the stories. It doesn't matter how many things you've ripped off. <laughs> I just All I can ever think is that bit of... It's more like... It's more like that bit from um, The Wrong Trousers with Gromit on the front of the train slapping down the track and... Oh, at high speed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit yeah. more closer to the crafting side, how the crafting is going on, to be honest. But, um, Actually, yeah. interestingly, was that the first um, ever kind of variation on the whole Make It Rain thing? Is that making it rain? Well, you can you know, make it rain is where you're doing that with money and you're kind of swafting it in front yeah, of you. But he was kind of going to put the track down. He's slapping it down. He's slapping it down. Yeah. Okay, make it rail then. Good lord. You're not in character now. You don't have to be obsessed with trains anymore. That's me in real life. That's me in real life. Deal with it. But yeah, no, okay. Let's circle back then. So yeah, no, we didn't get any angry messages. Um,. I mean, if anybody wants to send us an angry message, feel free. I will print it out and put it on the wall. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly have a laugh. I'll have yeah. an argument if you want to have an argument. I quite like having an argument from time to time. Yeah, at Monkey Magic Eden, send him all your hate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll be great fun. I love dealing with trolls on Twitter. Genuinely. <laughs> Actually do genuinely like, like doing it. Like, I love putting people in place. Oh, it's great. Okay, so... Uh, I've seen you do it. <laughs> oh, it's such fun. Uh, Tayshel's last couple while. of questions aren't really well the first one's going to date this recording very quickly um, the second one isn't really Cthulhu based but his first one will you be considering including 30 to 50 wild hogs in any future stories <laughs> I, I somehow missed this it I saw the reaction to the this. What, what was it? Was so, it okay, basically, of wild it, hogs in the wilderness? It, it was like it was right. It was after, about gun control. Yeah, it was right, right after uh, one of those um, shootings in America, where people were saying, you know, now's the time, you know, ban assault weaponry. And this guy chimed in on some random post to say something along the lines of like. How else How am I supposed to do with the 30 to 50 um, feral hogs that come into my uh, backyard within three to five minutes of my children going out there playing? And immediately he was <laughs> like, I, yeah. I can't help he but was think, a meme. Yeah, every day on Twitter, somebody is the main character. 
and that guy was the main character on Twitter that day. And yeah. like <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Uh, 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 some that, of the memes were hilarious. Yeah. If that guy's listening to this by any chance, move house. Yeah. Yeah. Where where do you live? There's a chance of thirty to fifty wild hogs just arriving within yeah. minutes. <laughs> I mean, what? well, exactly. Um, but they're all just on the outskirts of the like the perimeter of the house, just waiting for that moment when the door opens. Stop yeah. inviting them into your garden, you div. But anyway, so the that, children are out. That, that's what that was. I mean, it's it's already like okay, uh, uh, you know, I had we had a day and a half of like everybody tweeting about thirty to fifty. It's, it was feral hogs. Tayshia has put wild hogs. I made a wild hogs joke based on the movie <laughs> and this, mm. um, which was my contribution to tweet everybody tweeting too much about this this dude. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to include thirty to fifty wild hogs in a future story because I'm already like bored of the. <laughs> Board of the meme, I, I've to be now got the I've now got the image of thirty to fifty Tim Allen's running over a hill. What's Scooby Doo? Scooby Doo is slightly different. Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy this. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your ear damage. Um, okay. So final question. Like, which neatly rounds out this Q and A, starting with a non-related question. question. Uh, scones or scones, depending on whether you're wrong or not. Um, oh, who's wrong? Uh, this is interesting because we've got a mix of accents in this conversation. <laughs> scones there, is correct. Oh, what's a scone? Scone. No, no, no. It's a scone, scone when you're eating it. It's a scone when you've eaten it. Oh. <laughs> no. See, I'm from Yorkshire, and like. Scone to me is like the posh way of saying it. It's scone. And like as a, as a kid, scone. Yeah, scone is yeah. how you say it. It's a scone. How do, no. the, sc- how do the Scottish pronounce it? Is it scone? It's um, okay. There's the place scone. <laughs> okay. That's how we play. That's how we say scone, mm. as in the place when it's it's scone. Scone. Where I'm from. Okay. Yeah, it's but it, scone. The, the place is spelt the same, I assume. No, schoon has is, is got an E in it at the end, I think. Well, like a scone. So does scone. Or scone. Oh, scone. Yeah, you're talking to... I'm dyslexic as well. <laughs> oh, fair enough, yeah. I shouldn't. <laughs> fair enough. Um, I don't, I'll just check. I'm pretty sure... Uh, well, the actual question, yeah. though, is sco- scones, cream or jam first? Cream... That's the butter to put the jam on. You don't put the jam on your toast before the butter, do you? See, I, I don't like cream, so I just put jam on them. Well, I'm a weirdo that can eat a dry just... scone, yeah. but that's just me. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat one with nothing on it. Yeah, I could eat a dry scone. Yeah. I'd put butter on it mostly. I don't often have jam or a double cream or anything they like that, but then I don't with... often eat scones. So. Yeah, it's true. I'd it's... say I'm not I, the biggest fan of scones, to be fair. Yeah. If we're having afternoon tea, then that's usually the main feature of... Um, of that, it's a scone, and uh, I have had afternoon tea in the past. Yes, I can be poncy when I want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I always, I always think if you're using something as like a, a butter replacement, you put that first. So cream then jam, which I think is the Devon way of doing it. Well, that's even further south. And than the us. Cornish way is the other <laughs> way: jam then cream. We used to go to Cornwall on holiday, see, so that's where I've gotten the jam thing from, probably. Yeah, fair enough. Either way, though, I'm not a big cream fan. So. <laughs> can't stand that band. Sunshine really Lagoon loves a good track, though. Ginger Baker's oh, a prick. I, I went to Prince immediately <laughs> instead of the band. <laughs> Pretentious drummer of all time, sorry. 
Anyway, yeah, that was um, yeah. <laughs> I could eat a dry. Yeah, if the, if the scone's got like like raisins in it, or no, you know what I mean. I'll mm-hmm. eat that. I'll eat that dry. Yeah. Hmm. What a weird way to end this Q and A. Well, it's actually continuing where the game was set. It was actually a very British question. Yeah, it kind of works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It sort of works. Yeah. Okay. Top question asking. Any, anybody got any other thoughts they want to share bef- um, about Cthulhu before we uh, um, before we wrap this up? I think yeah. When it came to the um, character creation, when we started planning this out, I actually I think of the games that the, they're all playing games that I've done in D&D stylings. I think Call of Cthulhu is the most fun one I've done because it, the actual creation and the bio was actually quite involved. Mm. Whereas with like 5th edition D&D, you kind of, you got your basic bio, but then the majority of it is just filling out, filling out the class you are, therefore what weapon you have and all yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But with Call of Cthulhu, it really kind of delves into your kind of, your character's psychological past and their kind of state of mind when the game's beginning. Mm. Because Alistair had... I don't think we actually ended up using it in the game. There's one of his um, key memories, which I think in the context of the game, if you fail a certain sanity check and you get a certain role, you end up fixating on that event and you you don't realise that it's in the past. You think it's happening right then and there. Um, One of Alistair's things was in his backstory, his first girlfriend um you definitely brought it up multiple times it was brought up in the story but it's the memory that was specifically there was um him sitting on the steps of the albert hall with her listening to the concerts because they didn't have the money to buy a ticket to go inside you mentioning that um, yeah there was kind of that introspective bit where we all sort of spoke about our past Mm. sort of internal dialogue i did wonder where you like because at one point you you said and this might have just been your phrasing you Mm. mentioned something like that you it was but it was to do with that and you'd said you said that the thing you'd read said that the GM would use... Like, it was phrased as, will use this later. Like, and <laughs> I was just... I was like, bold of you to assume that I've read your character sheet. But, um... <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It was kind of like... I, I yeah. think I might have just misunderstood what you meant. But it, it, it mm. felt to me like you had read a thing and you assumed that I would definitely be including that in the story. I don't think I fully assumed that you would use it, but it, on the sheet when you're putting it together, I must it did, have misunderstood. It, on the on the sheet, it kind of says, you know, this might become relevant later in the game. So, like when you fail, yeah. a, if you get, a I certain think that was probably directly referring to that check, and it was Might've one of those been. things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. There is one where you kind of a memory become an old, a memory of yours becomes like present day to you, and you kind of go around in a daze, not realizing that other people. Yeah, I mean, that, if you'd have gotten that effect, day. then it would have gotten involved. Yeah, then, but, um, but but going back to my initial point, I think I enjoy the character creation on Call of Cthulhu because it does make you, when you're initially starting a character, thinking about where your character's been, where in theory they're going, and what their position is. And because it's very real life, it takes a lot more to think about. Whereas with fantasy stuff, you just think, oh, I'm an elf, I'm a barbarian, I'm a halfling. Um, the kind of this typical fantasy tropes come into it, but the Call yeah. of Cthulhu character builder makes you think, and I enjoy making, mm. I enjoy mm. coming up with backstory for my characters, and that's probably the most detailed one I've done. You might, you might enjoy the Star Trek Adventures system because that yeah, goes I've, through. I've looked into um, that. I'd love to try that one day. That goes through as you, when you build your character. You're sort of it's almost in stages. You kind of figure out like well, you start off like most of these. Like, are you are you human? Are you a Vulcan? Are you whatever? Mm. Um, but then you kind of, it's in stages, so it's sort of like, okay, what kind of family life did you have growing up? Where did you come from? What were you, what were you interested in? Mm. And then at a certain point, you're like, right, this stage, you're going to Starfleet Academy. 
so now you pick your specializations so you sort of go through it and building like a kind of life path sort of thing i enjoy that kind so, of the character building yeah you might it yeah. might be worth you looking into that I'd like, i would like to give that a go but yeah. yeah call of cthulhu so far has been the more enjoyable one that i've done yeah made me think quite a bit that's cool uh amy any extra thoughts well, I've, I've, got, I've got a quick question for you, just on that basis, because Mark was just pointing out something that was on his character sheet that was touched upon but wasn't massively played upon. Was there anything on your character sheet that was there that, for you, was in your mind but never really came to be a thing? See, I had the idea, actually, yeah, I had the idea that um, Sway had been involved with, like, the criminal underground, and that was why she had kind of left. But I, mm. I, I that's kind of why she wasn't really in wanted to be involved with the police and things. Yeah, and had, like, See, a I, 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 and stuff. we never got quite got to that point of figuring out, like, because Sway did seem quite <laughs> au fait with being clandestine and like a bit shady in a mm. way that I, I felt was like, hmm, I don't know mm. how to like, what's your past? And yeah, it's just, like, was it, it never put, came up. So yeah, I yeah. was kind of putting it down though as well because she's a, a performer and she's travelled between different theatres as well. They'd have their own kind of little like dealings with um, like getting uh, like if they needed to get a, like a, a certain amount of like fabric or something and they were having trouble sourcing it, they'd probably like Few dodgy someone. dealings and that, sort yeah, of black market sort dealings. of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, like black market kind of things, and like they'd mm. maybe have like seats in the the theater that were for like the mob bosses or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'd never, I, I, I didn't really flesh it out too much because I was like, I don't want to make this too complicated, and then you definitely did not... play it from my my perspective as um, like you had something about your past that you were trying to definitely get away from, but. Because the way, the way the story went and as we advanced it, we didn't really get much opportunity to kind of delve into your past. I mean, Alistair and Bernard definitely spoke about their experiences through the war years and what they went through um, and different sides of it. But I think your character definitely had the most kind of mystery left by the end of the story. Mm. So if we, if we ever did come back with it, I think that would be a good place yeah. to kind of yeah. start with, you know, finding out more about Madame Sway leading into Madame a future Sway. story. <laughs> Madam Sway is the reason why Burner's not been locked up yet. Call of Cthulhu 2. What was Madam Sway's deal? Actually, yeah. there you go. If, if we come back to it, what if um, they managed to keep the car going all the way up to Scotland, went to the West Highlands to hide out, and then, lo and behold, there's another Cthulhu yeah. cult. Yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now that your eyes are open to that kind of mystery, maybe you're going to start seeing that kind of thing around the world. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that once you once you've gotten the hint of this, this is out there, you're probably going to be looking around every corner and thinking twice about what's going on. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, well, actually, you know, Eden, have you got anything to add other than that question? Um, we, uh, pretty just much covered on, it. On, on the angle of things on the character sheet that weren't quite played upon, uh, the trench knife that was built into my cane never really came out and never became a thing, but it was something that was on my mind for the entire game and I never quite found a moment or reason. Mm. There, were, there were points where I completely forgot that Barnard was supposed to have a cane in his hand, I'll be honest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, I, I kind of wish that I'd had that moment, but by the time the combat really escalated right at the end, it was insane time and everything was out of my hands. So it was like, yeah. what, what will be, will be at that point. I've got this image in my head now, you said that, of um, Bernard walking out of a building in the town on the cane and suddenly his limp just goes. 
a bit like usual suspects at the end of when Spacey walks out of the police station and loses his limp I've got it's that kind of image of, now. Um, scary movie as well. Yeah, well, that's what they're ripping it from. Yeah, but uh, I've got that image, man. Now Bernard just mm. removing the scarf, and he's actually fucking Henry Cavill underneath. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> he rubs on his neck a bit, and all the makeup that he'd applied comes off. Like, yeah, exactly. I've got that image. Now. I'm actually perfectly fit as a fiddle right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this isn't even my accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I do a very bad American accent in Superman movies. <laughs> Well, not anymore, he's left. But there we are. Again, that was my last thought, really. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Thanks to those of you who sent in questions. Uh, Mark uh, at Teishal and, uh, well, other Mark, uh, Mark from Champions. Um, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, part three, the concluding chapter of our uh, D&D pirate adventure. Um yeah. Uh, uh, anybody got anything to plug? Any stuff? No. Got a yeah. single coming um, out right. next Friday, but oh yeah, no plug it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm part, I'm actually part of a two man uh, music project called Broken Source, and our first single Anubis is releasing next Friday on all the major digital music platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Deezer, and iTunes. That'll be tomorrow when this goes out. <laughs> Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah I check like, that out. Nice, yeah. Give it a go. If you like your metal and your industrial new metal stuff, then give it a go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm. Um, as for me, uh, my Twitter tag's already been given, but <laughs> Monkey Magic Eden is where you can find me. I'm writing game reviews, being a miserly, surly bastard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about looking for work and trying not to be too depressed. But mostly it's the game reviews that'll be of interest to other people. So yeah. if you're at all into video games, then have a look at those. Yeah, plus if you want to argue with anybody about um the way we yeah, run yeah. things, yeah, get in touch with even it's the customer service department. Contrive an argument if you like. I'm I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> um I'm all at Meg the Picked on Twitter. Um I'm also uh co-star on Penance RPG where I play Frankie um, and that's really all I have to plug but yeah, check it out everybody um, how do I normally end these? We'll be see seeing you next, you. Time. See you next time yeah. <laughs> be Thanks. seeing you Bye. Yeah, as usual you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pretend With Dice um, so yeah Leave us a rating and review on iTunes, I think I sometimes say. Or is it Apple Podcast now? I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Please. Wherever you get it, <laughs> click the five star thing. Yeah. Simple as that. Please leave a review. We haven't had a review since October. Like and subscribe. So Yeah. And the force will be with you. Smash that Always. like button. Um, <laughs> let's end now before we oh run my. out of weird things to say. Let's, not, let's not turn into YouTube pundits quickly. <laughs> But I'm going to stop recording now.